Welcome to Curito Connects. I'm your host, Jen, and I've been conversing with friends around the world about life challenges and impactful moments. Conversations on this platform look at answering the questions, how we overcome challenges and how our experiences shape who we are and the work we do today. I hope this work can inspire you on your own personal and individual journey. Let's dive right in. My guest today is Ray Ting Lee, founder of The Oriental Hybrid, the first of its kind, a Chinese and Arabic platform in which Ray Ting and her team help guide you and your business needs through the digital world, easing cultural barriers. Ray Ting was born and raised in Taiwan, but spent time living in nine different countries, and this talented woman also speaks 15 languages. We met through a mutual friend here in Taiwan, hopefully a future guest on Curito Connects, Rossi Yang of Decent Rossi. And through conversations, I got to know Rating more this year. When I invited Rating on this podcast and asked her what challenge and impactful moment she has experienced in her life that shaped her today, her answer was experiencing racism growing up in Taiwan and abroad. Rating, could you share with us your earliest memories of experiencing racism growing up? Um, talking about the racism, I think uh, the first very how to say, obvious moment to me was when I went to study in New Zealand at the age of 13. So I started uh, going to New Zealand every summer and study there for a term, which is like three months, um, once a year since I was uh, 11. So from 11, 12, 13 to 14 years old, I, I spent a part of my education in New Zealand. And at 13, I went there to study at the intermediate school, which is like middle school in Taiwan. Um, I was the only international school in that uh, local school in New Zealand. Um, I didn't study in a city like international one in in Auckland, so where I studied was uh, Rotorua, and uh, there wasn't much uh, Asian living there back then. So I was one of the very few Asians and the only international student in that school. And I spent my time um, living with a local homestay, like a Kiwi family, a white family. Um, and I think my whole sister, she got really jealous of me because I got so much attention in her school and also in her family. So she felt suddenly the parents would giving me so much attention. Um, so every day I have to walk to school, but on the way to school, she would come and, you know, take out of the, the my bag and then throw everything out or, uh, or, you know, once she slapped me on the face and I asked her why. And she said, oh, because, you know, you're yellow. And also in at home, she would lock me up in my room so I couldn't go out of my room. Or she would have some of her friends, um, how to say, calling me on the phone call while my whole sister was listening on the other end and asking me a lot of different questions, random questions. And so I had a very hard time back then, but um, yeah, I, I would say it's one of the impactful moments that I, I realized that uh, what I was born with could cause me problem in certain ways. And yeah. <laughs> How long were you living with your host family for? 
It was、uh, three months. Okay, so and then you moved, came back to Taiwan, or you? And then I came back to Taiwan. I mean, because I go there for a term every every year, and but in at that time, my mom did. I did call home and cried to my mom and told her everything. And my mom did ask me if I wanted to change to another host family. Um, but I said no. That、um, this is where the problem is, and I rather not run away from it and and solve it. Yeah. So what? What? How did you approach that issue? Um. I start to communicate her with her more, and also the the Maori student in my school was back start to back me up,、um, because、uh, I'm I feel very much related to Maori culture because the the Taiwanese Aboriginal genes in me I guess, and so they start to back up on me and then help me to establish myself in the school and. Yeah, I just there are different ways of communication, I guess, and eventually it was solved. Yeah, because I got more popular in the school, and then my hostess feels that she maybe have to please me, or somehow that、uh, being close to me makes her feel proud in the school and, and such thing. I feel like I was living in a you know the American movie Mean Girls <laughs> in some way, but yeah. And then you had mentioned that you also felt a sense of racism in Taiwan too. And you had mentioned earlier a little bit that you're you're ha- you actually have Taiwanese Aboriginal genes in you, so you're not you're not hundred percent Han Han Chinese, right? So can you t- share with us a little bit about that? Yeah,、um, part of my genes,、uh, my great grandmother, no, my grandmother from my mother's side、um, is from Taukas、uh, tribe in Taiwan, Taukas. And it's one of the Pingputsu like land、uh, Aboriginal. I didn't know about it as I grew up. I just know that everyone, even in the school, everyone keep telling me, "Oh, you look like a Yuanzuming, like Aboriginal. Why you are so dark? You look like an African," and all these kind of comments. But、uh, one time in high school, yeah, one time in high school, I think it was when I was sixteen, and we had to do a homework on family tree. And my mom、uh, found out this、uh, family housing record that was written by Japanese in Taiwan, and they said it marks、uh, Gao San Zhu like Yuan Zhu Ming. And then I realized, okay, this is actually part of my genes. But so when I grew up all the way from primary school, middle school to high school, especially in high school, there were teachers or、uh, friends that always come and like. Did you enter the school because you got extra points? You just 加分进来的吗 or something? But I always just tell them no. Like I got here because I did well in my exam, not because of some extra advantage. And so this is what I experienced in Taiwan. But I didn't find it very.、Um, it didn't annoy me that much back then. I think I got used to the environment. Uh, but when I went to New Zealand and came back, then I realized, okay, this is another form of racism, not to the point that you know you get slapped or you get physically. <laughs>、uh, yeah, it's it's much of a more、uh, mild situation in Taiwan, and so after that, after thirteen.、Um, 
after coming back from New Zealand, I I felt that okay, this is a cause or a, a situation that I have to uh, keep uh, letting more people on and inform the Taiwanese that we can experience this in another society. So we should not do this to the new immigrants in Taiwan. You know, there in Taiwan we have uh, international students from from the Middle East, from Africa, from our ally nation in South America. And I always hear these complaints from my friends that when they go on subway in Taiwan, people don't want to sit next to them or they get asked a lot of uh, not very polite questions. And so I participate. So that leads to my experience in the middle school and um High school, I get a uh, ask a lot about the Aboriginal extra points, and then in the in the university, um, I start to participate in some research on um, like the Taiwan University of Taiwan, no Taiwan University, and uh, some of the researchers work on checking how is the the feelings of the Taiwanese girls when they're dating um, Caribbean or African or all these how do the society see them and these kind of research that I participate in. Wow, that's very empowering that you had gone through all that and then applied it when you were in college to really get involved with the community and the other immigrants who who are studying here in, in Taiwan. Um, so what, what did you learn during that time of you know meeting these other students coming to Taiwan from abroad? Um, sharing those stories because so much of it's like cultural too right yeah it, it's so much of a cultural um, influence in this and so not just like outside that I start to advocate on this but in my family I also start to uh, inform my parents and educate them on, on this topic as well um, and that really leads to me to where I am today because that it's not just like in the US or in the the, the white world or in Taiwan but also um, like I see when when I'm living in Beijing for my university and I live with a, a lot of Arabs there and from time to time people would judge those that are wearing hijab or that look Middle Eastern because of the terrorism um, image that the media cast on them. Um, so I feel that I should really show the world that the, the Arabs or the Middle Eastern isn't how they are being seen today. Right. There's so much learn, to learn from them as well. And so I spend a lot of time trying to understand their culture and then also share my culture with them as well. And so that leads me to where I am today with my my company is that I try to build a an organization that it's um, based on more than one culture. So everyone that I select into the team, they are already built with two or three cultures in one person. And in this context then you are just genetically or <laughs> through your experience you cannot discriminate the others because yourself is already in this position 
And so I think this is very important to be in the organization's culture um, itself as a, as a generate like a new generation kind of startup. That some startup they start with solid um, a team of from certain country or certain ethnicity, but in my company that I actually put two um, important yet discriminated uh, ethnicity together, which is the the Middle East, like the Arabs or Chinese, that they are being so um, like the media doesn't always put them. In, in the in, best light, in the yeah, I mean, this really boils down to identity. You know, when you talk about um, kind of the discrimination that you experience, racism, and finding your identity through that research you did in high school um, and your time studying in Beijing, meeting others in different cultures, how did you shape your story of your own identity during this period? You know, in terms of the things you encountered and experienced and really trying to dig deep and understand. And, you know, you always t- tell me to use the correct words too, you know, when I'm, when, when you're talking or when we're writing, cause you want to make sure that your facts are right, which is very important. Um, so yeah. W- could you talk a little bit more about I- identity for you and, and why it's so important for more of us to be more open-minded and aware of respecting one another? Well, identically speaking, um, I do see myself as a Taiwanese. I was born and raised in Taiwan, but I have been studying abroad since I was 11. And as I share with you that I've been into nine different countries and I see all these nine countries as a part of me, how I was raised and, um, you know, I can call them home in some way. So I feel that um, the identity isn't really just in our genes, but also all the influences that has on us, especially now in the global under the globalization, and so many people are moving around. Not just like me, but even a lot of international students studying Taiwan or studying China or you know all these places that they see another country as their home and they start to think in their second or third country's perspective. And yeah, so I feel this identity is, I don't know how to call it, but the, let me just use the word hybrid. <laughs> is that it's, it's, it's a, a mixture of everything. And we shouldn't just define a person like, you are this or that, that every person is kind of an individual, that you have to really talk to them first to understand what, what they are, not just by their look or, or judge, you know, like, yeah, now I work in the Middle East market, but I always get private messages on social media ask if I'm working on this market because I have a Arab husband or my dad is Arabs or, or this kind of things, but it's not. It's just that because I live there and I feel related to their culture and I, I understand their thinking. I start to think like them. I start to talk like them in their way that I understand. So this is part of my identity already. Yeah. It's like when, when people say um, nurture versus nature, right? When you're raising kids, 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so we have also talked about previously um, about your edge, like h- how you were raised, because you're obviously very open minded and very curious. And for those who don't know, the Taiwanese education system can be a little bit more restricted. Uh, you, you, and I mean, I guess I, I have more of a Western education because I didn't go through the Taiwanese education system. I probably would have not finished school because I'm a terrible taker, <laughs> um, and I would have probably been a very angry child. Uh, but um, you went through the educational system here, uh, at least part of it, part of your education. Um, and I know this is also a topic that's very close to your heart um, in terms of how to bring up a next generation of creative thinkers, you know, of, of kids who are more open-minded and embracing of other cultures and, you know, other information uh, versus the institution uh, here in Taiwan. So uh, I would like for you to kind of share your insights on this because, you know, it is also part of your identity. And if you haven't heard already in this last like 17 minutes of our conversation, uh, Wei Ting is a strong advocate and you could probably sense it. Uh, so I, I, I want you to kind of talk more about the educational element here and how that relates to identity and, you know, building confidence in an individual So, yeah, as I mentioned very early in our conversation that I started to study abroad since I was 11. And one of the reasons that my parents decided to do this and let me travel by myself is that they want to give me a system that is very different from the conventional system in Taiwan. So in Taiwan, of course, you go to school and then you have to do a million homeworks and you have to have a million classes. But when I was three years old, my mom... um, she wanted to see if my brain development was normal. And so she took me to a center in, in Taipei called Xingyi uh, Center, whereas that where people analyze the kids' learning ability, their IQ and all these. And my parents discovered by the test that uh, I was, I don't know what word should be used, diagnosed or um, categorized. <laughs> As a, as a special education children, that my learning ability is on the top two among all the children. So every 100 children, um, I would be the second one to, to complete the learning of certain topics. That means my learning ability was very fast. This is different from the gifted IQ part of a person that people think like genius. That's another. You're actually a genius. That's what you're trying to do here. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I mean, uh, yeah, so that's a, we call it uh, 学习, 学习自由, learning gifted, learning ability gifted. Um, and in Taiwanese um, regulation, like 特教法, special education law, that three percent of the whole student body are put into this category and all these uh, children there their iq is about um around 130 um and so yeah i I passed this test uh, of the 
this analysis. And then when I was five years old, after I finished, um, how to say, kindergarten, my mom took me to another test. I mean, the kindergarten er, encouraged us <laughs> to go take another test and see if I can begin primary school earlier. So I was supposed to jump the grade and then begin begin my uh, primary school education much earlier than the others. But my parents decided not to because they're afraid that my age is not fitting. Um, like I'm too much younger than my peers and it's going to cause me a lot of men mental health problem. So they decided to let me enter the school uh, normally as other children. And because of this, they want to find another way to have me grow on side of the conventional system. So every year I spent um, nine months in Taiwan and three months in another country and then do parallel school. And this is where people are always confused. How can you be registering to school and do two school at the same time? And I actually do this all the way until university. I studied in two university at the same time. And in high school, like, Actually, in general, I've been in, I've studied already in 15 schools. So I did three um, primary school, um, two middle school, and did three high schools. And then I did four university. So some people were will be asking me, like, uh, isn't this stressful for you? But for me, it's not. That the only stressful part is the most difficult ones. And the other system that I'm going through parallelly, for me, it was relaxing <laughs> in a way. And I get to learn uh, in different methods. So, yeah, this is one special education. Yeah. Because that's kind of interesting, though, because, you know, going back earlier when you said in experiencing racism and discrimination kind of made you feel like you were in Mean Girls. And if we think about Mean Girls and, you know, like socializing in schools, especially for a, a young middle school, high school girl, switching every few semesters between schools. How did that affect you emotionally and mentally? It sounds like you really enjoyed it. I, I think maybe because it gave you, it clearly you were very confident. So you didn't have any of those, you know, girl issues or mean, you know, <laughs> popularity issues or, 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 and you were probably very active as I don't know, but I'm guessing that you were probably quite involved with school clubs and sports and, and different things, but to have to switch out like that, that's, that's kind of hard, no? Or or you're just unique. <laughs> and, and <laughs> it is mentally hard. I, I would say that it does. And your parents are very forward thinking. They are. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, going back again, when I first started the question, we we're talking about Taiwan and the community here. And the way you described your parents, it's like, wow, they're, they were very forward thinking to allow you to do that and want, want to do that for you. You know, I, I, I now I kind of want to talk to them. <laughs> They're awesome, actually. They are very forward. Right? Like, how come you let her do that back then? And did you have, you know, other parents and family members start nagging on the side saying, you know, you know, why, why did you send her there? Or what are you thinking? <laughs> Sending her so far away, you know, but clearly as a family, you guys are very grounded and had a lot of support for one another. So as you said, yeah, when I was analyzed at three years old as a special child, 
my parents were afraid. Actually, my mom was very confident that she feel that she can give me what I need. My dad, on the other side, my dad is a, a school teacher, and so he really understand the system in Taiwan of you know how conventional it is and how limited it is for talented student here. Um, so my dad was afraid that he doesn't know if they can offer what I need or they need to you know bring me to another country to receive something different. Um, and so. Having said this, that as you said, that they get a lot of、uh, pressure from other parents, always talking about sending me abroad by myself or let me work in a field that is not well praised in Taiwan. Why I don't become a doctor or engineer and all these? They do have to face a lot of social pressure, and on the side for me as well that um, um, as I as I switch different between different schools, um. I have to develop this ability to fit in as fast as I can, and to be social. You know, jump outside of comfort zone, making friends,、um, talk with the teachers, and 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 navigate my way in school. So it is.、Um, I think it does help me in a way of my networking experience,、uh, networking ability,、um, and communicative ability. Um, to develop on on these, for special education,、um, not just about studying in other countries, but also like in Taiwan, my parents will help me take periodical leave from school, like <laughs> like I told them, you know, I'm bored of the classes or something, so they will help me to write some kind of application. And then I write my own learning proposal to present、wow. to the、uh, the principal or the student affairs office and tell them, okay, this is what I want to learn. How much time I need to、uh, have to complete this? So I could. So I did like I didn't want to attend English classes so much because I find it like too slow for me. So I wrote a special proposal to the school and、uh, tell them that I want to learn from the library. And like all the English classes for me, the time I just、um, spend my time in library reading newspaper. Like every day, I have to read maybe six to ten newspapers, and this is where I learn my knowledge from from the media,、um, and like different literature and all these. So throughout the system,、uh, and and sometimes、uh, my parents would that they would.、Uh, Help me write a special permit from school. Not that they write for me, but I they teach me how to write special permit to get the chance to leave school, and they would take me out to. Yes, <laughs> when you when you enter the business field, you realize this is very important to learn to deal with the organizer, the government, and so I learned how to write special permit requests. And then I can leave the school to go to、um, to star watching, to bird watching, and、um, you know the the nature and different kind of、um, education that is full rounded around nature、uh, and and the society or the museum concert and all these.、Uh, 
while I am still in the traditional school system. And I think my dad contribute a lot in this because he, he is the teacher in school. He knows how to deal with them and what they want to see. So as long as I maintain my school, my school grades, like, you know, above 90 and everything, then the school is, they, they try to... Yeah, they tried to change the beats again. Did, did, did your other classmates see what you were doing and was like, I want to do that? And that's where the jealousy comes from. Right. <laughs> the societal. Because they feel like, why she can do that? Why we can't? And so even the top students, I, I they, they do put a lot of... Um, mm unaware type of bullying on me I guess yeah because for example um when I was in middle school and we have to prepare this high school entrance exam uh, exam everyone have to study in school but I am someone that I cannot study when when everyone is studying like I cannot be in this uh, situation to study and even in library, when I go to library, I want to sleep. <laughs> so I have a special environment that I need to create for myself for learning. And so I, I have this permit from school that I could uh, study alone at home. And, and I just take all the tests and then I, I do the tests with my own pace. And because of this, every time when I go back to school to take the the exam like middle uh, mid exam or or midterm exam or final exam my classmates would pull their tables away from my table and tell me you know she is sick or she is like she has some kind of germs growing on her and all this type of uh now we look back it's very childish but back then it's actually very mentally traumatizing in a way um but yeah I mean I grow through them I did cry and you know I question myself whether I did something wrong but as I grew up I realized that I I did I didn't do something wrong it's just that people are not used to being someone that is different from them especially in Taiwan especially in a small town or a small country that here they don't see as much of a diversity in the examples and they just want everyone to be the same and this is where the the problem comes from so so for this that um, my team that i i gather together yeah um for working my company i many of them are actually i consider them uh, special children in their learning ability and um they are very curious and they, they have a very high learning um, passion. So I motivate them. I lead the intern in a fairly different way from the normal corporates. And I give them more space to grow. And I, I let my hands go and then let them try out what they want to do. Even it could be experimental, but I think it's good for them. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know that you... Uh go back to your schools to give speeches and yeah. you do a lot of, you do a lot of mentoring. So as part of wrapping up this conversation, uh, because you already get on stage and speak to hundreds of students, 
what kind of advice would you give to people regarding racism, regarding identity, uh, regarding education here in Taiwan in terms of thinking outside of the box? You know, if you're curious about things, go and find resources so you can learn more about it, stepping out of the system, etc. Um, for the young people in Taiwan right now, I think they're very heavily um, influenced by the social media. So I would always encourage them to look at the media outside of Taiwan, not just reading the domestic one, but having their resources from um, even Western media, Middle Eastern media, or all these types that shapes their perspectives in some way. And I encourage them to learn additional language because this is one of the tools for them to to see another world. And I try to um, tell them more information. They send me DMs on Instagram and I try to um, give them information on where they can meet foreigners, where they can participate in an international NGO or um, find chances or opportunities to study abroad, to work abroad. Because when you put yourself in that environment, you will understand. You have to jump outside the box to look back to the box to understand uh, what was the problem. And I, this, I think this is a very important part that actually there are so many opportunities now in Taiwan and scholarships for sending um, students abroad, but they don't have the desire actually. They feel so comfortable in in this situation, especially, to be honest, like my parents do compare me to my cousins sometimes. And many of my cousins, they just complete the Taiwan system in a very conventional way. And then they make their way to, to being a doctor, being an engineer, um, still very um, prestigious and praised uh, positions in Taiwan. Whereas I am someone that is traveling across countries, across cultures, but in the Taiwanese um, society perspective, they might not consider you as successful, even though you have so much, so much uh, stories to tell. And so I would encourage um, students to, to, even though they might not be praised by the society, um, immediately, but just you know, go out of your comfort zone and see how much potential you have to to develop yourself. Yeah, right. Because getting out of your comfort zone also helps you shape your identity and refine your identity as well. Yeah, right. In terms of all the different things you encounter, experience. And really understanding who you are, kind of like you said earlier, getting outside of the box and returning to the box and being in a stronger foundation from that. Yeah. And when you come back to the box, you know all the methods uh, outside the box and then you can choose. You are the one that has the ability to choose, not the one that it's just giving options. It's that you will become a proactive person to do something and I think this is where the impact comes from yeah great I think a lot of young people listening to this will be very inspired 
<laughs> Hopefully, <laughs> I hope they will start to you know check out different accounts on social media and 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 learn and interact. I mean, social media people are actually very、um, welcoming. They can、yes. message different influencer and just interact with them. It's not a problem. Yeah, we we live in a world where it's very accessible now to just reach out to someone you aspire to or. Feel inspired by, and usually most people are very responsive. Yeah, and try to gather, you know, create your own community around you that are people that inspired you. For example, like I, I'm very happy that I get to meet you. That、um, <laughs> you, you likewise, inspire me in certain ways, and and ask me some question that I've never asked myself. And I think this is important for the young people in Taiwan also to create, not just. The people we call it Tongwen Chen, yeah, yeah, not just in this bubble, but pulling people and interact with people that make you question yourself, make you try to get better, and all these、uh, inspiring souls around them. So, do you have any last words you want to share, Rating? As Taiwanese education and system focus on so much on the salary of smart kids, on the contrary, I think. It's extremely important to teach the elite and like elite businesses to give back to the society,、um, you know, pay it forward.、Um, there is one quote that I always try to share with the special education students with、uh, gifted learning ability, is that、um, fortunate people or children、um, should learn to share more with. The others, you know, 幸福的孩子应该比别人付出更多 And I believe that God gave us this extra ability and luck to benefit more of the society. So we should、um, share our knowledge and stand up for what we think is right for the humanity, and not let this special、um, ability be wasted. Yeah, well, that's so great, and I will add all the links.、Uh... At the bottom of this、uh, page, so people can follow Oriental Hybrid and reach you if they have questions.、Um, and yeah, maybe down the line we can do an event together with Oriental Hybrid, kind of mix it up with the Arab Chinese community as well. Yeah, I'm very、um, looking forward to that. Inshallah. <laughs> Thanks for sharing your time and experiences with us, Rating. Can't wait to see what you will be doing with Oriental Hybrid going forward. We wish you all the best, and we will speak soon. Thank you so much, Jan. That's all we have time for today. Thank you for listening to Curito Connects. For more Connects content, collaborations, and discoveries set to inspire you on your own individual journey, please head to our website at www.curito.co. Until next time, stay inspired, and thank you for joining us at Curito Connects.